All right, so anybody want to guess what's the topic for today? I think I said it enough times. Huh? All right, so today we're going to talk about simplicity, but before we do that, we want to just review for the past two days, two weeks, right? Yes. So we, we started a couple months ago, you know, just for those of you who have the sheet of our core catalyst, the values that we're, we're moving through in the terms of going deeper as a disciple, that what, what we felt God was putting on our heart with core was to not go two miles wide and six inches deep, but that we wanted to go um, small as a church and go deep in our discipleship. And so this has been a journey. So the teachings are intentional and they, they tend to build on themselves. And we started off with the first principle was being devoted to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And the next was to love your neighbor as yourself. And we talked about this in the sense of being a part of the church, how your brothers and sisters in Christ are your neighbor. Your neighbor is not necessarily the person around the world, although there's a context for that. Our priority starts here uh, with the body of Christ, with loving the person who's to your left, to your right, the person that's right around you. Uh, <laughs> it is easy when it, when it's your grandkid, right? And then this last month we started venturing into loving yourself, and this has been uh, you know an, an interesting journey because there's so many things to unpack about loving ourselves, especially you know no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord as a Christian, we have different concepts of different messages that we're being taught about. Uh, loving self. Hi guys, glad you made it. Come on in, take a seat. We sing. So we're just uh, recapping. You guys came just in time. We we're just starting. So we we're venturing into this topic of loving ourselves and how God not only commands us. He says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, all your mind, and all your strength." And to love your neighbor as yourself. And so we've talked about the first two. And now we've been venturing into what does it mean to love yourself? Uh, and how, you know, we, we discussed about how self is not this quest that the world would tell you uh, to discover who you are. What makes you happy? What's your passion? What makes your heart sing? You know, we can spin it a hundred different ways. And the, the quest tends to be focused on the external. But as a Christian, scripture clearly tells us that the question is not who am I, but why am I? Why am I a child of God? Why did God set me apart for salvation? Why was I called and chosen? Uh, why did Christ die for me? And what is it that he's trying to do within me? And so the journey is not so much outward as it is inward, as we are being made into the image of Christ. So, so often we get lost because we're looking for God's will and we're looking out there. Like, what does God want me to do with my life? What are my gifts? What are my talents? You know, what is my, what is my Enneagram? What is my, you know, there's a million tests out there. What is your spirit animal? <laughs> uh, and, and we could just get caught chasing after the wind. The reality is, is that who you are today is different than who you were even just yesterday or seven days ago or seven years ago. So if you're always chasing to answer the question of who am I, you're going to be spinning your wheels and not getting anywhere. So we really wanted to take this journey of loving yourself to prioritize yourself enough to realize that you matter, that, that you need to have boundaries, uh, that 
you are important to God. And so taking care of yourself matters. We don't want to be on a quest of self-care, like I said, where you're just chasing after everything that makes you happy. That's not the reason you exist. On the other hand, we don't want to go the way of, it's called asceticism, where you're, you know, beating your body and making it your slave, which is, you know, we talked about how that verse was taken out of context. Um, God wants us to care for our bodies, how our bodies are actually a tool. Um, the, your body is not the evil flesh and you're supposed to be, you know, your soul is this part of you that lives on forever like a disembodied spirit. No, God made self, yourself includes your physical body. You are supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. You're not supposed to be, you know, where you look at your body and, and you hate yourself and you deny yourself and deprive yourself of basic needs um, because you're trying to be super spiritual. So we've been learning about how do we integrate uh, the physical um, as well as the mental and look at ourselves as a whole. And the goal is, again, not so that we could reach our fullest potential and have our best life now. Like, you guys might get sick of because I feel like we say this so much. This is not, there is an outward external evidence of an inward change. So as you grow in Christ, as you are made in the image of Christ, you should have fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. That should be evidence to others, right? James talks about how faith without works is dead. So while your works, your actions don't earn you salvation, there should be outward activity that shows the renewal and the transformation that's happening internally. You know, as God renews your mind and gives you the mind of Christ, certain things that maybe were compulsions before or addictions before, you will hopefully be set free from those as you become more confident, more secure, maybe you have less anxiety. So as God changes you from the inside out, we're not saying that it's all inward and nothing external, but the goal is, is that the internal and the external match. And so now with that in mind, just kind of having that as the, the back piece to, to what we're talking about, now we want to segue into uh, the next, it's probably going to be a couple of months, actually, week by week, we want to talk about spiritual disciplines, okay? So there's certain spiritual disciplines. Uh, if you're looking for a book, this, this is a classic. Uh, it's, a little, it's a little heady at times, but it's a really, really good book, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. He goes through uh, a number of spiritual disciplines. There's a bunch of other resources. Uh, some of them I put them on the G Drive for you guys if you want to look. Uh, we put some resources in there for books that you could read. There's, uh, I can't remember the, na the name of it right now. Ruth. Ruth. Hmm. It's about the like rhythms, uh, sacred rhythms. That's another good one. Ruth Haley Barton, I think is her name. That's That's another good one. Uh, it's a little less, this one is pretty dense reading. That one is a little more straightforward and just practical. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there. But again, so we want to go, these are disciplines that we're not just making up, but things that from the early church fathers, like 2,000 years of church history that have been passed on by, by saints, by the forefathers of the faith, by strong men and women of God who've gone before us and said, this is what helped me to make it through the long journey home right? Because that's really, that was actually something Christina texted me. I love that, that we're all just walking each other home. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of what we're trying to do is that we're all, we're not trying to make our way in this world. We're actually trying to find our way home uh, because we're not of this world. Heaven is our home. And so we're trying to find our way. We know that we have salvation, but in the meantime, we're trying to, to find that journey inward 
uh, to be the children of God that we were originally intended to be. So over the next several weeks, we're going to go through these disciplines. Again, they're not, they're things that we felt were really fundamental uh, in this journey that we, we really, and some of them you may have heard of before, but we want to try to look at them from a different, a different lens, remembering that these are not a checklist. For example, if we take a week and we talk about fasting, it's not like, oh, okay, so to be a good Christian, I have to fast once a week or whatever, um, or I have to do a 40-day fast. Going back, that's why we, we took the time to give you the backdrop that this is about the development of yourself, not a checklist of things that you do to be a good Christian. The reason why we should fast, for example, is because it does something, it's an internal discipline that helps us. Remember, we were talking about treating our bodies like we're an athlete. So yes, you stretch yourself to your limit. Yes, you challenge yourself and you push yourself, but you do it in a way that's not doesn't cause you injury, but makes you stronger, makes you healthier, and helps you to reach the fullest potential of who God created you to be. So that's where we have been up until now. Uh, and then you're going to talk about where we're moving forward. Right? Yeah, so uh, as we, we've talked about, so the first thing that we wanted to talk about was simplicity. And I think we did it on purpose just because as we start these disciplines, start working on these disciplines, we wanted to be reminded that simplicity is important. Um, simplicity in our life, simplicity in the church, uh, simplicity in our spiritual walk, um, because it is beco become so complicated because there are so many theories and there's so many books of how to and everything else. Um, bless you. Bless you. So uh, we just wanted to uh, get into that one. So if... Um, the first verse, the the verse that kind of led us to this was First uh, Thessalonians four eleven, and if somebody can read that for me, I'd appreciate that. First Thessalonians four eleven. And to make it to your ambition to lead a quiet life, you should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. Yeah. Thank you. It's it's funny when we Trisha read it out loud for me, and I was like, I like it. Mind your own business. That's what I heard first, and I was like, Oh wait, let me pause for a second. <laughs> I don't think that was the main main point of the of the scripture. Because make it your ambition to lead quiet life. That was one of the things that Paul was teaching. Um, is to make make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. Um, and that's why simplicity, I think, was what led us to it. And as we go through today, the other um, book that we're going to look into is Matthew 6 today. So that's kind of on the back of your, your mind. But it's, it's really important, like ambition. It's like this is what we're thriving for, to have a quiet life. Not to be at a place of, man, I got to do these things. You got to leave a legacy. I want to preach the gospel. So everybody remembered that I did this. And we need to remember that in the stillness, just like God, in the stillness, in the quiet place, he meets us. We serve God in that stillness, in that quiet place. That doesn't mean that it is wrong or sinful to be in front of people or on the stage or putting together these amazing outreaches and for God and everything else. That's not a, not, not a a bad thing what we're saying is like your ambition your goal is to come in point people to Christ 
and kind of leave. You know what I mean? And that, that was, that's kind of the, the, the aspect of it. And then it talks about, I don't, I don't know if I want to target this mind your own business thing. I don't think I'm the right person <laughs> to speak about mind your own business. But our, our business is a kingdom. I think that's that's that, I think that's one of the big, biggest things that we can focus with that one. It's kind of, kind of minding your business. Your, your business is the kingdom of God. Your business is to bring glory and honor to God, to to proclaim the good news, uh, to become Christ-like. That's your business. Mm. And let, let's not um, get involved in the things that is not what God puts you into. And the last one I like what it says is like. Work with your hands, just as we told you. And uh, Paul talked about a lot of times. He's like, here, I'm an apostle. You know, I have all the rights of everybody else. He's like, but I made tents. I was at your place. I made tents. I made my own job. I helped you guys out. I did what I had to do. I didn't need to um, be this honorable St. Paul, all this stuff. He's like, I worked right there with you. And I, I like that. I like that simplicity. I like being able that he's saying, even though, again, he was like, I'm, I could be the one of the apostles. Christ himself talked to me, you know, but I choose to have this simple life. So having this ambition, I think it's, a, it's, it's the key to having, to having the ambition to lead a quiet life and focusing on what is the number one thing uh, that will help us lead the simple life. So Ecclesiastes, uh, it's, there's 730. Some translations have verse 30. Some do not because the way the wording is, it kind of gets condensed into chapter 8, verse 1. So if you want to flip, your translation may or may not have verse 30 of chapter 7 in Ecclesiastes. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. It says, uh, only this have I found, that God made man simple, yet man entangles himself with infinite quests and questions. Who is as the wise man? Who has known uh, the resolution of the word? So in other words, God made us simple. We're the ones who make things complicated. Yeah. I mean, the God of the universe, the almighty God who created all things, came down in the flesh and walked among us to be like, let me show you all how it's done. So he doesn't ask us to ascend to his level. He comes down and he breaks it down for us. He's like, this is what I want from you. This is how you need to live your life. This is what I'm looking for. Um, and, and the reality is too, even why does the church exist? Well, here's the thing. If we're each on an individual quest to figure out God's will for our life and who we are, then we're all being pulled in different directions and we just come together for an hour or two once a week to worship. Right. But if you understand that, the, that you're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, right? Mm -hmm. But the kingdom of God is not out there. The kingdom of God, Jesus says over and over and over again, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is now here. The kingdom of God is in you. It's in us. So if we realize that what is the kingdom of God and how is the kingdom of God expanding, the kingdom of God is taking territory within us, taking territory over our mind, reclaiming our hearts, reclaiming our physical selves, all of which is under a curse. So if we're always looking out there, we're all going to be pulled in different directions. Yeah. But if you realize that the only reason you exist 
is to be made in the image of Christ and for you to be transformed and you seek that first. Like first, yes, I want revival, but that doesn't look like a building full of 5,000 people. Let it begin with me. We've said this a bunch of times before. If we each come and we sit at this table and we come week after week after week because we realize that the kingdom of God is not complete within us, then we're swapping stories and we're sharing about how did you get through this when you had marriage struggles? How did you get through this when you were tempted by addiction or by pornography? Or, you know, these are the things we're helping each other to, to, on the long journey home. We're walking each other home. And, and if we see that God made it really simple, he doesn't want you to conquer the world. Even when we expand the kingdom, he's not asking us to go out and conquer nations and win thousands of souls. He's asking for you to conquer your mind and your heart to surrender it to him. We don't even have to conquer it. He did the conquering. We just have to surrender it. And we make it so complicated, you guys. Like we, and, and we miss the mark. We do all these other things. And he's like, just break it down real simple. Um, the kingdom of God is within you. And, and so we ask all these questions and we seek all these answers. Uh, and we're, we're chasing after the wind. You know, we talk and we have theological debates and we try to discern the will of God and we take all these gifts assessments and things and and he's just like, just be still and know that I am God. So we want today to break down uh, three primary areas of life where we can begin to embrace simplicity. Right. No, you're fine. Trish, where did you read out of Ecclesiastes? So it's Ecclesiastes 7.30. Yeah, 7.30. So like I said, some of your translations, because the way the wordage is in the Hebrew, it kind of gets split between 29 and 8.1. So you may or may not have a verse 30 in your translation. No, I don't. It's in like the ESV and some of them. So some of them break it down, but it's the, the words are, for the most part, all there. It just depends on how they translated it. So you can, if you want to write it down, you might just have to search for it. Uh, Ecclesiastes 7.30, it'll pop up on Google, uh, and it'll give you a pretty simple translation. So we wanted to go, and where we're going to probably spend some time just reflecting is actually in uh, Matthew chapter 6. six. Matthew chapter We're going to start from 19 and we're actually going to read all the way to the end. So we want you all to read, yeah. please, because. So as you guys, as you guys are listening to these verses, the three things that we're going to talk about, and I'm sure you guys have heard these, uh, these words before, uh, your time, your talent, and your treasure. You guys heard us like, all right, God wants your time, talent, or treasure the church what can you give to your church your time your talents and your treasure so we're going to talk about um how uh we can use those things or give to to god in uh um, in the simplest simple way and being able to simplify it for us so it's not as burdensome and it's not as uh, as hard christ said my, my burden is easy and my yoke is light i try to turn on that fan that is as loud as that big one <laughs> sorry um no i'm like i'm trying not to like 
Wait, we we could turn it on or we could just talk louder if you guys want, because it is it's very okay. warm. I'm gonna be the only one to try. Nah, we're all we're all. You guys, well, someone try we'll, it. We'll try it. We'll yeah, turn, it turn on. on the big one, but At there's two levels. Things moving. So maybe the distant one is good. We'll turn it this way so it doesn't. We'll get it together. Is that the low one? I think it's okay. We can it's adjust. the first gear. <laughs> Everyone just like. That first gear is the loudest. Project a little bit. We'll we'll adapt hopefully. All right, so that's what that's what we're gonna kind of gonna talk about is the time, talent, treasure, and how we can simplify it to bring honor to God in that manner. Okay. So there's so maybe to, if everybody reads two two verses, that would be awesome. Yep, six. chapter six, nineteen to the end. Sure. Whoever starts Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and I tell you not to worry about your life. Don't worry about having something to eat, drink, or wear. Isn't life more than food or clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest. They don't even store grain in barns. Yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth more than birds? Mine just reads a little differently, so I didn't know you were finished. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers in the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? So do not worry, saying, what shall, we eat? what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right. So this this text had some really good insights. Again, if you if you read it, there is a chapter actually about simplicity. And one of the things that he says, which is a pretty bold statement, is he says, the person who does not seek the kingdom first does not seek it at all. 
So in other words, if you say, yeah, you know, I love the Lord and I'm seeking the kingdom and I, you know, I want to grow as a Christian, but I'm also trying to do this and I'm also trying to do that. And I also need to work and I also need to, and I'm not saying that you go out and quit your job, but he says, if you're not seeking the kingdom first, then you're not seeking it at all. So imagine if you lost your car keys, right? And you, you claim that you're looking for them, but you're also like combing your hair and getting dressed and taking care of the kids. Are you really looking for the keys or are you just getting ready and taking care of this other business? If you're actually looking for the keys, if you're seeking the keys, your, your attention, your time, your energy is going to be focused until you accomplish that task. And so if Jesus tells us here to seek first the kingdom, and if we're not seeking it first in our lives, if it's just like a hobby that we do on the side, like our spirituality is just you know, one little part of who we are. It's something that's, it's nice. Like I'm, I'm a, a successful teacher. Or I'm a successful lawyer. Oh, and I'm a Christian as well. Like we just sprinkle some spirituality into our life. Then we're not really seeking the kingdom first. And again, remembering that this journey for the kingdom is within us, right? That, that the kingdom of God begins with me, that I'm a citizen. I'm an ambassador of that kingdom. I'm being made new. I'm being transformed into the image of Christ. So one of the things that just hit me as we were preparing just to think about is just just kind of throw out an idea like what are some of the holiest places on earth? What would you say is the holiest place? Jerusalem. On earth. Jerusalem. Okay. Places that people travel you know the pilgrimage where would, what would you say is the holiest place on earth garden. the holy land would you say the garden. garden of eden garden of eden okay this is not a great specific answer but where the presence of god is ah look so, at that you're like that teacher's pet you like cheated no I'm so here's but yeah. where <laughs> but you guys where is the presence of god in us within us your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the most sacred, holy thing on the planet. And people pay thousands of dollars to go to Jerusalem and this and that because they're seeking to like touch the holy, to get close to something that's sacred. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. Your physical body is the holiest place more holy than any cathedral, more holy. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've done. When the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that now is holy ground. Your body has been set apart and sacred and holy. And that's why Jesus says not to mix with the things of this world. So because you're holy now, you, you have a different purpose, you're sacred. And we have to see ourselves, the old is gone and the new has come, right? So we have to look at our bodies and treat our bodies as the sacred spaces that they are. We have to care for it. We have to nurture it. Um, you know, just a, a funny thing. There's this comedian. He's kind of inappropriate, but it's a really funny. He has a 12-year-old, and he does this skit. Because around that age, right, nothing against, we love our son. But between 10 to 12, that age, teenage boys, they kind of hit this age where it's like, like, what's the point? Like, why do I need a shower if I'm just going to get dirty and have to do it again? Like, why change my clothes and wash them? Like, things just start to, like, they start to think deeper, but they're not really catching you know, the bigger picture. 
And so he does this skit where he jokes about his son and how like it's just this struggle where his son like doesn't brush his teeth and he doesn't want to shower and he doesn't. And so he says about how his son, like his breath just smells like horrible, like onions and stuff. And how he fights with him and he tells him, you know what, if you're going to talk to me, like, dude, you just need to turn around and like talk facing the other direction because I just can't handle it. And then, you know, he realized that his son had gone several days and he went, he's like, at least dude, just go put on some deodorant. Cause like, I just, it's just too much like to be around you. And so he, he tell his, you know, with a fight or whatever, the son goes and he's like, Hey, and while you're in there, you know, you put the deodorant like this. And as you go to the other side, just go like across here <laughs> oh, and then get the other side. So in other words, cause his breath was so bad. He's like, just stick the deodorant in your mouth or something. Cause it was just his hygiene. And we laugh at this. Because as we grow in maturity, those things that seem really like pointless, right? They serve a really good purpose in the care of our bodies, in the care of ourselves, and in common decency to the people around us, right? Like <laughs> we don't want to be walking around like a bunch of pig pens. And the, the truth is, is that in, in our Christian faith, so often we're chasing after these big, lofty, exciting things. You know, we, we want the, the huge gather. We want to feel like we're part of something bigger and we're missing the simple disciplines that are part of the ordinary hygiene of the Christian life. So we want the, you know, the, the emotional experience in worship. We want, you know, the, the ecstatic spiritual high, but we don't want to practice simplicity where we clear out our schedule to have quiet time with the Lord. We don't want solitude because we're afraid of dealing with our own thoughts. Like there's certain basic things that to us, like, do I really need to go to church? Like I could just stream online anywhere, anytime, you know, I can just get fed from all these other sources, but we're missing the bigger point of why the church exists to begin with and why it's important to do the daily discipline. So you're not going to have one supernatural spiritual encounter that makes you this incredible mature Christian. But mature Christianity, deep discipleship happens from the day to day to day maintenance of your faith. Daily being in the word, daily being in prayer, daily, you know, weekly um, connecting with fellow believers, you know, taking in the, the word and the sacrament time after time. It's the slow road of discipleship. And although we would want a quick microwave Christianity and a quick fix, mm. that's not how it is. We need to learn to find God in the ordinary. There's this old saying that's like, we want to have authority over the devil, but we don't want to, we don't want to handle a sink full of dirty dishes. And I just think there's so much truth to that. Like we need to learn to, to find moments that are sacred. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, most of his life, he was anonymous. He was unknown. Yes. Nobody knew he was from a small town of Nazareth. He just lived his life. He did all the things that we do. You get up, you eat, you go to bed, you work, you sweat, you shower. Well, he probably, you know, bathed. They didn't really have showers back then, but you, you get the point. Mm -hmm. um, he did all of the things that we have to do day in and day out. And we, we tend to, to want the movie version, the Hollywood yeah. version of our lives where we just want the exciting parts and we cut out all the nitty gritty um, behind the scenes stuff, which is what this, this chapter in Matthew is really talking about. So it says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up treasures in heaven. And again, these treasures are not just financial. It's 
making a name for yourself, building a career, having a big family, whatever that investment portfolio looks like, those are earthly treasures. And, and the way that we store up treasures in heaven is by investing, this seems very countercultural, but investing into our own Christian formation. Yeah, so one of the first things that I want to talk about is time. It's really interesting that one of my friends just talked to me and he was like, he's like, bro, I'm struggling because we only have 24 hours in a day. He's like, I try to get at least eight hours of sleep because I'm trying to be healthy. He's like, and then I work between driving from work and driving to work. I'm 10 hours out and then I could, by the time I come home, there's only six hours left. And then I try to eat, shower, this and that. He's like, I don't have any time for anything. And the reason he was telling me that is because him and I are reading the Bible together. And he was like, man, I'm like two, three days behind. I'm sorry I didn't have time to do that because I only have 24 hours of the day. And I was like, all right, so our readings are about, it takes about 10 minutes to read about two chapters a day, two, three chapters a day. And I was like, so I kind of had to ask him, I was like, so you didn't have during that whole day of 24 hours, hopefully not during sleeping, but the other times, like 10 minutes of to dedicate being in the Word to, to read your, read your Bible, um, read your uh, passages, whatever it is. And he was like, I don't know. I was like, I was like, let's turn this around. Praise God that God has given us 24 hours in the day that we do not deserve. And when we start saying. Um, seek first the kingdom of God that's that's been taught to us well to the Israelites from the beginning it was the firstborn it's the first fruit it's 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 things like that that and with time it's the same way we don't like oh man if I have time I'll squeeze God in I'll, I'll squeeze my reading I'll squeeze my worship I'll squeeze my prayer no that that should be on the forefront of our things yes we need we should sleep yes we need to work but the next time we have free that should be given to god um and that, that is kind of kind of very important aspect of it the and the understanding that when we talk when we talk about that is a going to simplicity aspect of it the things that we're busy with is this something that we chose to do that or is it something that god put in our hearts again if we are seeking god first he should be guiding us through it, to that it's not that uh somebody in church like hey you should be doing this it's like all right i'm gonna do this hey you should be doing this you know or so somebody in your family hey come, come. let's see god first was i led by god to do this like thank you for telling me i should do this or maybe i have something in me like oh you have dave you have a great smile you should be a greeter at church like mm -hmm. when people walk into church they should see your face first you know and you're like you know what let me pray about this <laughs> um you know it's 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 just one of those things I, the reason we get so busy is because we do not seek god because i don't think god's i believe i don't want to say think i believe that god has doesn't want us to be so busy he doesn't want us to have uh this complicated life honestly 
Uh, so when we look at time, we, uh, the challenge is to seek him first, okay? And with that, everybody, we have heard, we just finished reading Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. People love that he's going to make my path straight. They forget the first part. Yeah. In all your ways, acknowledge him. That was a challenge to me. And it fits what we're trying to teach about this, of being simple. Of acknowledge him in this. What I'm doing, is God in this? Am I honoring God during this time? And I know it's like, oh man, I, I don't want to be the super duper Christian and honoring God in all I do. But that's what we're called for, right? We're called to honor God in all our in all our ways, just like Christ did. But I don't. The, we need to have that mind change. We need to have that understanding. We need to understand that that part of uh, being uh, having a sinful life. I, I it might it might be like, well, I need to hear from the Lord or anything. But it's it's, it's simple. Does this honor God? Did God lead me to it, or somebody told me, or is it my pride or is it my ambition or is it my whatever else leading me to do this right so that, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about time is there any do you guys want to add anything else when you guys think of time how can we make time more simple for us and honoring god in it because it doesn't have to be all christian it's not like the only time you're honoring God if, if I'm praying, worshiping, or preaching the gospel and serving in, in church or so. So is there, can, can you guys think of any uh, uh, other ways where time can, we can make, a, we can look at our time, think about your calendar without freaking out, and then think about how can you simplify that time so that would actually, one, honors God, and two, gives you opportunity to spend more time 